0: Nah, this is bold. there are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. Oh, you're from the neighborhood. What's your name? Your name, neighbor?
1: Well, that's not entirely true. I came to see you, but where are the paperwits? That's what I want to see now. It's just torture and murder. No plot, no characters. Very, very realistic. I think it's what's next. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learn about Cuba. A toast to toast, my friends, to our health and cheer and happiness. Otto, let the ritual begin.
0: Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. Continuing our Christmas season movies, we're doing the most Christmas of the Christmas movies we're doing, (laughs) if that makes any sense. We did Brazil, that takes place during Christmas, and today we're doing Bad Santa. Bad Santa was released November 26, 2003. Directed by Terry Zwigoff. Written by Glenn Ficarra and John Reck. With rewrites by both Coen Brothers and Terry Zwigoff. The movie stars Billy Bob Thornton as Willie. Our titular Bad Santa. Tony Cox plays Marcus. His assistant. Elf. Also Thief with willie who's also a little person lauren graham plays sue the love interest although the name sue is never mentioned in dialogue ever throughout the course of the movie brett kelly plays thurman merman a boy that believes initially that willie is santa claus and uh Willie ends up shacking up with him for a while. The rest of our cast is rounded out by John Ritter as Bob, who is the mall manager who hires Willie and Marcus and then becomes increasingly suspicious of their behavior in the mall. Bernie Mac plays Jin, the mall's head of mall security, And Cloris Leachman plays Granny. The cinematography was done by Jamie Anderson. This movie was produced by John Cameron, Sarah Aubrey, and Bob Weinstein. The less worrisome of the Weinstein brothers. The movie was edited by Robert Kaufman. Music is done by Dave Kattay. The executive producers include the Cohen brothers and Harvey Weinstein, the very worrisome and, I think, incarcerated. He must be incarcerated by now. If he isn't incarcerated, he should be incarcerated. The budget for the movie was $23 million and it went on to gross $76.5 million at the box office. The filming began in California, July 8th, 2002, and ended in September 2002. The movie is about Willie and Marcus, who run a scam of pretending to be a department store Santa and elf. And while doing their jobs as a Santa and an elf, they case the mall and then on Christmas Eve rob the mall. They've done it, I believe, it's mentioned, I think, eight or ni- at least eight or nine times. Now, this movie came about because the Coen brothers had an idea for a bad Santa that would eventually have some sort of redemption. The screenwriters went off with this story that they had and kind of fleshed it out, wrote it, and then... Gave it to the Coen brothers. The Coen brothers liked it, but they weren't interested in directing it. So, they, uh, Weinstein's actually came across Terry Z- Zwigoff's previous movie, Ghostland, and wanted to do a Terry Z- Zwigoff film. Up until Ghostland, uh, Zwigoff had only done two documentaries. One of which I saw, which was called Crumb, about the underground art comic legend. And then he did Ghostland. This is not only Terry Zwigoff's like most well-known movie. It's probably his most It's crude, but it's probably his most accessible movie because, well, documentaries has a small audience to begin with, and then Ghostland and Art School Confidential are are smaller comedies, um, but, you know, not big-budget comedies and didn't get wide, wide, wide distribution. So... Zwigoff had the script, showed it to a couple of different companies, and I have a quote here from Universal on why they didn't want to do this movie. They said, quote, It was the most foul, disgusting, misogynistic, anti-Christmas, anti-children thing we could imagine. This quote led to Bob Weinstein... Greenlighting the movie. So, I'm not sure what that says about his character, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, we, uh, movie starts... Well, before we talk about the movie, we should talk about the three different versions of this movie. We watched the director's cut. And there exists... A theatrical cut, and then a batter Santa, which is just a DVD thing that they put out there with more gross jokes and profanity. But the director's cut is three minutes shorter than the theatrical, and is ten minutes shorter than the unrated batter Santa. Now, having watched the theatrical, well, having watched the director's cut and then parts of the the theatrical cut, uh, I got to go with the theatrical cut. I mean, I got to go with the director's cut on this. The theatrical cut has scenes in it that are either unnecessary, poorly written, just not funny, they don't do anything for the plot, really. And... They kind of... It diminishes the redemption of Willie, our titular Bad Santa, by... Um, he's too nice in some of these scenes that were removed. For the theater... Uh, that were remo- removed for the director's cut. And... It should be known, I'm not sure exactly which scenes were reshot, but original director Terry Zwigoff was not involved in the reshoots. None of the original writers were involved in the reshoots. The reshoots were helmed by Todd Phillips, who is probably best known for directing the Hangover movies. Road Trip, and admittedly a movie I like quite a bit, the most recent Joker movie, but he's mostly known for kind of adult humor. So, Andrew, initial thoughts about Bad Santa?
1: I I loved it. I loved the director's cut. I'd seen the theatrical version when it came out, uh, and I liked liked it a lot back then. But having seen the director's cut, um, I think it's It's a superior version. I really do. Um, It's very concise. It's almost a perfect movie in its um, in its in its conciseness. If I'm using that word correctly, I think you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's just it's such a nifty little package. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Merry Christmas. (laughs) A nifty little package of a movie, the director's cut. Um, When um, Chris, when you just showed me. the reshoot scenes that were released in the theatrical version, I found. I also found them completely unnecessary. I actually hated them. I. I. I hated the writing. I hated, the. The reason, you know, I hated the scenes for be existing, uh, at all. I thought. I thought it was. Why would you? Why would you play with something that was so perfect to begin with? But that's Hollywood, and that's big business. So. They had to throw some more cooks into the kitchen with this, and uh, as is the case with with my own personal opinion, when they do such things with movies, I don't I don't like it. I don't like what they've done. It strays farther, further and further from the original concept. The director's cut of Bad Santa, in my opinion, is the definitive version and the one that should be watched.
0: Absolutely, uh, it runs in. Less than an hour and a half, the director's cut. Wow. There is no fat that you need to trim from this movie. No. The director's cut, it's, I mean, one of the big differences is that the opening is a scene, it's a slow kind of pan through a bar, and we just see Billy Bob Thornton, miserable... You sitting could, alone at the end of the sitting bar. Sitting alone at the end of the bar, smoking a cigarette, looking miserable, looking at the other people there. Who are having a good time and celebrating Christmas. Right. And you could tell exactly what kind of person he is just by his facial acting. Mm-hmm. The theatrical cut, for some reason, needs that They threw in this uh, monologue, inner monologue of him. Voice over. Voice over monologue of... Um, yeah, it's not a model well, inner monologue, voiceover. That's uh, it's just, it's just so unnecessary. We don't need to know this guy's backstory. We don't need to know that he had a shitty childhood. It's just not necessary.
1: Well, he says it. He says it later. He says it later in the movie. Yeah, not only he talks does about he... it. I mean, it's not like it's information that isn't revealed in time. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, given to you. As expository at the very beginning.
0: I mean, the only useful, I guess, little bit of information that we're given in the voiceover that uh, kind of helps is that we know that his father's the one that teaches him how to crack safes. But
1: I mean, oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, but do we we don't? But really, it's, it's not even necessary. I mean, not, Why do they have to even uh, explain that?
0: No, we don't. You know, we don't need to. It's and you could tell that it's not the same writers because the writing's not as sharp. It's not. It's it's very juvenile, and that's what I could say about a lot of the other scenes too. It's kind of juvenile
1: hil humor. It's the silly. Resho- the reshot scenes, yeah, or the, the, resho- or the added scenes. Both. Yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. The added scenes.
0: Yeah, they're they're very. I mean. They're silly. It doesn't like kind of fit with the tone of the movie. No, Um, like Willie and Mark is celebrating after a big heist. Yeah, he's got a big smile on his face and he's swinging him around. It. No, and then the whole. Then we have this whole like we have to have this like subplot that goes, as no bearing on the rest of the story of him just stealing a car, going to a house, breaking into a safe but we've already established that he can open a safe and that has nothing to do
1: with Santa. He's not even dressed like Santa Claus. He's at fucking Miami. I know and he's there are a lot of scenes of him just kind of like looking looking, you know, dressed in in plain clothes, looking looking handsome, look, looking handsome actually. Yeah, he it's looks healthy like, and handsome. Right. Thank <laughs> you. Healthy. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. And it's just it doesn't, you know, it's it's uh it detracts from from uh the character. It really does, and and when he goes into that house in Miami, he's he's like uh, knocking down pictures, kind of trashing the house for no reason at all, while he's looking for the safe in the house. There's no reason. There's no reason for this. Any of this. Well, after seeing the director's cut, there's no reason for any of this. But he was flipping the paintings because he was looking for the safe. Oh, that's true. You're right. You're right. But still, you know, yeah, Um, you're right. You're right. But again, it's unnecessary to the basic story that is being told here it feels it feels (laughs) in a movie where i surprisingly don't feel gross watching it um it feels gross seeing all these added scenes for some reason it feels gross (laughs) uh, i could and
0: um so i uh, i wanted to mention this Earlier in the episode, but I'll mention it now. Uh, due to some of the nature of this movie and some of the lines we might be quoting, this movie, uh, this particular episode of the Cold Film Companion podcast might be a little bit more vulgar than we usually get into. In my,
1: maybe. We'll see. I'm actually, yeah, I actually feel very, uh, um, I don't want to use the word wholesome about this movie. We'll get into why I feel like this movie is actually. Um, Kind of sweet, it is? you know what? <laughs> it is a sweet movie, and it, but there are. It's almost like the vulgarity disguises something much, something quite beautiful, which is movie. why I, why the movie I think works,
0: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I could see. I mean, we didn't watch the Batter Center cut which is i don't know how much longer 10 minutes
1: longer than the theatrical i can only imagine the amount of stuff that they added in yeah i i'm not interested the 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 director's cut is it as far as i'm concerned and he's you know the only uh, so i
0: earlier today watched the movie the director's cut with the director's commentary and a lot of The reshoots, a lot of the added scenes was because of
1: test screenings. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. All right. So being a, being a, I just like off as a footnote, I just have to say like one of the biggest changes two two movies I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, the musical, and the Stepford Wives remake. Both were heavily, heavily influenced by test screenings and ended up becoming basically completely different movies uh, due to test screenings. So, I, you know, I don't know. And I've been to test screenings myself where I've had to fill out those cards, you know. And I think I remember movies being changed after I'd seen the test screening and filled out those cards. I can't really remember. It was a while ago, but uh i there's at least one movie that I unfortunately can't remember <laughs> that I saw a test screening of, and I remember filling out a card and then eventually they changed it um based on the cards that were filled out. I don't know what to say about this except that it seems it seems that the movies suffer from catering to test screening audiences so
0: Another thing is someone, um, actually, we're dedicating this episode to our title card uh, artist, Paul, and his wife, who loved this movie. And Ah, oh, no way.
1: Yeah. Right on.
0: So, if you love the title card design, all the credit in the world goes to Paul. He took my warped ideas and criticisms and critiques and changes and molded them into the title cards they are now. Kudos, so, thank you. So, if you love the title cards, all the credit goes to Paul. If you hate the title cards, it was all my idea, and you could hate <laughs> hate me. No no hate towards Paul. But he asked me, he goes, is Bad Santa really a cult movie? And here's the way that, I, and not that I need to justify anything, because it's... You it, kind of
1: do, actually. With Do the I? movie that made as much money as this movie, you need to kind of defend. You need to kind of justify why why it's on our podcast. So go for it, Chris. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> um, number one, Terry Zwigoff. Everything else that he has ever directed could easily be considered a cult film. Sure, he is very much an independent art kind of director. Also, finding cult movies that aren't horror because or too like
1: way too mainstream. It's difficult. No, it's not. I can trust me, I can come up with a bunch, but go on well, with that. Well that's good.
0: This is for our first Christmas season <laughs> episode. We got some we got some doozies coming
1: up for Christmas related movies, actually. Um what for Christmas-related movies? Yeah. What, in the future? Like a year from now? No. What are like you talking next about? Next week. Nick. Oh, well, okay. I mean... Showgirls and Female Trouble? I mean, Showgirls isn't a Christmas movie, is it? Does it take place during Christmas? It must. There's Christmas decorations all over the place. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, if that's, your, if that's your quota, if that's your qualification... And, of course, f- Female Trouble is basically like Aftermath from Christmas. But it's Christmas. So it is. It starts off in Christmas. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: So, but I would say that this movie has a cult following. There are people that have their movies that they watch every Christmas season.
1: And this is one of them. There there are certain people that will, every year they watch Bad Santa. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm one of them okay (laughs) so yeah
0: i I mean i see it it's got a cult following Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's it's pretty mainstream and it made a lot of money but
1: i mean it had a sequel it did and it was not very good yeah but i mean cult movies you know that are off the radar they're have we done? A, have we covered a movie that had a sequel? I don't think we have, have we? Not yet. <laughs> Until now. Well, <laughs> Halloween 3 had
0: many oh, sequels. Oh, that's true, that's true, that's <laughs> true. So did The Howling. That's true. All right, proceed. Okay, so it's just a fun Christmas movie. It's also a comedy that I could watch any time of year, but I will always watch around Christmas because it's quotable. It still makes me laugh. Some of the same lines still make me laugh. Like, the reveal that the kid's name is Sherman Merman. Yeah. <laughs> like, come. It's like the... No, Thurman. Thurman.
1: Thurman Merman. Just like Thurman the Merman. way he
0: delivers it. He the Billy Bob's looking down at the report card and goes, Is that your name? Is that Thurman really your name? Thurman Merman. Really your name? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's
0: such a goofy name, but it still makes me laugh. Mm-hmm.
1: For a goofy kid, too.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, so casting that kid uh, caused issues with some of the producers. They did not, they wanted a clean cut kind of uh Disney Channel-esque child actor. Terry Zwigoff wanted Joe Cobb, and for those of you who don't know who Joe Cobb is, I guess he's one of the original Little Rascals, the R-Gang, I guess he was a bigger kind of not-so-good-looking kid. And I'm not going to rag on an eight-year-old's look, but, I mean, he's portly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: like he hmm remi- Like, who's... I mean, he's, he's much more aff- affable, if, if that's the right word. But in a way, he reminds me of, uh, who's the German boy in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Augustus Gloop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Not nearly, 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 nearly as obnoxious. No, Uh, but of course you know different. You know it's a different character. It's a different role. I can't picture any other kid doing this role. He is he's terrific. He's and I hope he's still acting. If not, then I hope he's happy. So, but he's he's terrific. He's terrific, and he's. I know he shows up in Bad Santa too. Okay. So I did see when we watched um, Zwigoff talking about he wanted there to be a level of honesty throughout the whole movie. The. The boy is very, there's an honesty about him, about everything that he's doing, even though he's supposed, I guess he's kind of like, I'm not so sure if he's dim-witted or if he's just kind of in his own headspace because of what he's been through and what he, uh, what he's had to deal with in his life so far. But he's kind of, you know, there's often this blank expression and then you know there's a moment there's always a moment before he has his next thought and delivers his next line and it's just it's coming from a place of total curiosity um total innocence and uh a, you know a genuine a genuine need to be heard and have an answer to his questions to his to his questions many questions so
0: it was funny because they were talking about some of the scenes with him and Billy Bob and you know, he he was asking the questions like it was on the script, but uh, Zwigoff wanted to get some more like energy out of him, like some more eagerness, like he really wants yeah. these questions answered. Yeah. So he said. So he was talking to Billy Bob. He goes, I don't, "I'm not sure how to like get that out of him." So uh, Billy Bob asked him, "Who is your favorite ac- comedy actor?" Him being eight years old back in early two thousands, his favorite actor, comedy actor, was Adam Sandler. Okay. So, they said, okay, from now on, pretend that you're asking these questions of Adam Sandler, and then you got
1: that eagerness, you got okay. that excitement. Sure, that would work. So, like,
0: the, that's an interest. That's such an interesting directing technique.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it ups the stakes. It ups the ante. Yeah. All of a sudden, now there's some there's motivation uh so that i can see how that would work but the can i just say like if i'm if i'm repeating myself i apologize but that blankness on his face <laughs> between you know when he's listening Especially when he's listening to Billy Bob yelling at him, basically. Right. And it's just just this total blank look on his face. It's hilarious. And, and then, then the next you know, and then snot the knot next... coming down is Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't know I'm God not bless sure. Him. So
0: but on his report card he got all Cs and one B. Yeah. Doesn't imply that he's the most intelligent kid. Right. But he kicks Billy Bob ass's Thor-
1: uh Billy Bob Thornton's ass in checkers. He does. <laughs> he does and it pisses Billy Bob off. Oh, he I freaks mean, out. Yeah, but it's a it is. It's a moment all of a sudden you see like aha. Yeah, he's got brains. He's he, got he's you know this kid had does have there is something going on. There is some, a light on in the house. There
0: is something going on because I think there's there's several times throughout the movie where he just like looks at him. He goes
1: like, kid, are you fucking with me? Yeah, right, like... right. <laughs> and okay, so I mean, it is it is the kid who um, who delivers the letter that Billy Bob has written about uh, the Robbings to the police on Christmas Day. So the police bust the the heist. Yep, I'm right, right? Yeah. So I, you know, so there's some wheels turning with that going on. Like he didn't. Billy Bob gives kid the the kid the note, uh, the letter in an envelope, in a sealed envelope. When he's trying to, you know, commit suicide in in a car, he's hooked up the exhaust to a hose and then put the hose through the window and rolled the window up and he's gonna, you know, breathe himself As- to death, asphyxiate himself. Exactly, exactly. So. Uh, so it's it there is the question of what makes the kid decide to i mean Billy Bob does not kill himself. What makes the kid decide to deliver this letter to the cops at that time uh because it it could potentially jeopardize billy bob 's life you know li, you know so not his life but his you know he could become incarcerated from potentially from this letter I think he tells him to do it on Christmas Eve doesn't he? he might. I don't remember. I think he did, okay. All right, so that would. and so is the store. so is the store this is all going down on Christmas Eve. Yes, it is isn't it? Yeah it's not Christmas night. it's Christmas Eve. it's Christmas Eve. okay. Yeah. okay, and so the kid so the kid could just be following the direct the orders for the directions the original directions for the letter. right yeah. so like <laughs> this kid so uh, I'll just say this
0: about the actor was totally in on the joke. He totally got what they were doing, what they how they wanted him to play the character and everything. I love this kid.
1: hmm He
0: <laughs> I usually can't take kids screaming but for some reason and I know it, it's intentional that they, they want you to laugh, but that scene where
1: he has cut his hand open and he is just yelling bloody murder. Yeah, well, it's the first time you see him freak out. Everything is basically stuffed down with him. Yeah. And then finally, you know, I mean, he it's a big cut on his hand that yeah. you see. And so he is freaking out and you're just, whoa, okay, here we go. So then the cut
0: turns to him getting a... Melvin slash Wedgie, and if you don't know what a Melvin is, that's the front Wedgie, back Wedgie. He's got both ends of his underwear up. Changes his mind for what he wants for Christmas. He wants a giant gorilla to beat up the bullies? Is that what he says? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So this kid makes, yeah, he makes a hard, uh, you know, he makes a hard turn there uh, under the... uh, what Into a revenge uh, wish, basically. and the, but then he he says stuff like maybe you just want to get me a present even though I'm like a loser sack of shit or
1: something he's very like is that what billy bob has called him at some no. point okay okay billy bob so is so maybe his maybe uh, maybe it's the kids maybe oh, it's, it's the the, bully. the, the those, bullies those... who have said that to him oh yeah they okay.
0: they they have just unfortunately the way the kid Looks, his haircut—he's got like a blonde, curly afro, <laughs> and he's got clothes that are a little too tight. He's like perfect, but like you couldn't dress up a better victim for a bull, like a bull, like a young, you know, yeah. young bullies to pick on. Yeah. Um. But he's great, I have to say, and. It's so Billy Bob Thornton claims that he was intoxicated the entire time making this movie,
1: and the director says that that wasn't the case. That he was drunk some of the time, but not all of the time. He doesn't know how Billy Bob could have been drunk to do, to deliver the performance in some scenes that he delivered,
0: which he did. Because there's certain scenes where the timing of the jokes, the reactions, they're perfect. This is not the the one scene that he's. Uh, uh, the director said that he absolutely was drunk is the scene <laughs> of when he's. It's towards the end of the movie, and he comes up the escalator and, like, falls
1: over. Yeah, he's crawling. He's, cra- he's crawling up the escalator. He's
0: crawling up the escalator, crawls over to, like, the Santa land, calls. A donkey, a spick, and then beats the, sh- just beats the shit out of it. And you <laughs> said that was the one scene I I know for sure that you know Billy was Bob drunk, was drunk. Right? But I gotta say, like it, the other scenes, that his timing, unless he is like master, dr- I would say you know I could see him having a couple drinks and then doing a scene, but like to be. Com- completely inebriated, and, like, he delivering those lines, and, like, sometimes he does slur, but it's certainly clear enough, you know, and he knows to wait for other people's reactions. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I buy it in that scene, when uh-huh. he, <laughs> because all he's doing is crawling around, beating up a, uh-huh. a heap of He i I think he wasn't even supposed to say the word spick but he does and uh yeah he beats up a donkey and um so we have a love interest yes who's half Jewish and therefore yes she says she's half Jewish and that leads to her to seeing Santa as a forbidden figure because all right Christmas was not allowed at their house. Right. So she's got this like deep deep-seated childhood like obsession
1: Santa fetish. It's yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's become sexualized, very sexualized. Yeah. Yeah, so she's she's it's instant attraction to Billy Bob. She's played by who is it Laura Graham? Is that right? From Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. Um and I know I knew her from Gilmore Girls uh, before I'd saw, seen the movie. So it was fun to see her uh, doing this type of role in this type of movie. And she she I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Oh, it's it's cute. It's it? cute. Yeah, she's the <laughs> mom. You know who else hasn't seen Gilmore Girls? Who? Terry's wig off. Oh, well, that's OK. <laughs> that's totally fine. I mean, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have to. It's it, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a very uh, popular mainstream uh, television show. Yeah. But I and I watched it because a friend of mine really liked it, so I would watch it with him. I didn't choose to watch it of my own accord. Uh, so I, I'm imagining that her role
0: in *Gilmore Girls* was very different than her role. Oh in yeah,
1: here. yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is a whole different type of thing for her. But anyway, she does a good job, and there is an instant attraction, and it's it's. I find it. Uh, I noticed. How the two people who eventually become family to Billy Bob Thornton's character is are her and the boy, the kid, and they both seek him out. he doesn't seek them out, they seek him out, they want him in their life, yes, and right, and so, and eventually it happens it happens, <laughs> and it happens because the walls that he has up. Do eventually start coming down, and it's not easy. I mean, I don't know why, you know, why anyone would pick him. Uh, that's it's it's a big challenge getting someone like that into into your life. You're going to have to tear down a lot of walls. But they he well yeah he, go ahead.
0: she initially chooses him because she just wants to fuck Santa Claus right. But she, there's more. I
1: feel like there's more. And I well feel she like...
0: sa- she says afterwards she goes I like you yeah don't mothball that suit. Right. And Thurman Merman seeks him out because he... I don't know if he really thinks that he's Santa Claus. He well, figures it out eventually, but I got to say, I kind of think that he really thinks that he's Santa Claus initially. Uh,
1: could either be. either could that be. or he's
0: very, very dim. More dim than we're giving him credit
1: for. I think my, my, my interpretation was with both of them. There's something underneath their uh, initial desire to seek him out as Santa Claus that is um, attracted to the person underneath the Santa Claus suit. Billy Bob's character. What is his name again? I should have done a cast list. (laughs) Both of them, there's something about Willie that I think they're they're responding to there's something about Willie. Yeah, there's something about Willie that they're that they're responding to, and that they that they that resonates with them. When Willie is surrounded by people who are using him, or have a disdain for him, or are you know probably justifiably suspicious of him, so he he doesn't have he doesn't have. He doesn't have love in his life. He does not. No. He does not. I don't and think here, he's ever had love in his life. Maybe not. I think maybe he's had a lot of
0: sex in his life.
1: Yeah. Well, that's different. Yeah. But we, he when clearly... That that's different. He never got, a, uh, you know, the... The love that he needed as a child, probably. Not from his father. Uh, but here are two people who um, are willing to become well, a part actually, of his life.
0: Not only from his father, but if you see Bad Santa Two, he didn't get that love from his mother either, because she's in Bad Santa Two.
1: Oh my God! Okay, they I, basi- I don't need- yeah, they
0: the- created they created this criminal.
1: Uh, the parents did. Yes. Okay, so he's been in jail. He's been in jail for for robbery, I believe. I mean, he he cracks safes. Yeah. Okay, so and then he's. Found a way to be a Santa Claus at malls during Christmas time, but only as a cover for robbing the malls correct um and somehow they get away with changing their names and doing this year after year him and him and Marcus yes, his sidekick Marcus, who has um a girlfriend slash wife who um is what is she Asian? Is she Hispanic? Is she a mix? Be, and she's, for some reason, she's, in the theatrical version, at one point she says "oy which makes no sense whatsoever. She is
0: Asian. Okay. The script called for a very tall, busty, blonde woman. Okay. Terry Zwigoff decided to base Marcus's wife on his friend. Who has a mail order bride from the Philippines.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, well that makes sense. That makes sense. She's still the most underdeveloped character in the in the movie. Um She's just a greedy bitch. Yeah, but I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. She's not really developed, like, so that's all you're gonna see her as yeah. in the movie. So and it's and it it is shocking to find out that she and Marcus are actually cold blooded killers. Yeah. Um, when they kill Bernie Mac, um, that that that's almost a difficult transition for me to make in the movie um, to see them in that light. I mean, I know it's supposed to foreshadow Marcus pulling the gun on on Willie at the end, but still, it's just like really, really they're they're they they'll just kill like that. That's um.
0: Okay. Let's go back to the test audiences. That was one of the biggest complaints
1: from the test audiences that i mean i feel like that that's kind of justifiable actually killing killing bernie Mac.
0: yeah uh let's talk a little bit about bernie Mac and john ritter because i love both of these performances
1: they're great they're fantastic I, the scenes between the two of them are hilarious
0: so john ritter came up with the whole squeamish kind of thing mm-hmm. that was all him mm-hmm. i believe it, it. It works so well, Mm -hmm. and it's so funny, because he feels, like, embarrassed, because he has to say some, like, nasty stuff. (laughs) He's like, so I was in the women's big and tall, and there was a screaming
1: orgasm,
0: and he said you're not gonna shit right for a
1: week. No, he doesn't say that, dude. He says... S-H-I-T. Right. Yeah, he
0: He can not even say say the word shit. (laughs) Yeah. He's so squeamish. It's so funny. And Bernie Mac, who, I don't know if you picked up on this, but they had a backstory for Bernie Mac that he's agitated because he's constipated. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Because you see him eating oranges, and then he's drinking Metamucil,
1: and but. Uh-oh. So when, how do you know that? Is that how do is that ever stated in the theatrical version or what? That
0: was from the director's commentary.
1: <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, that went right over my head, but of course that makes sense. You're, he's, he's he's consuming all this fibrous stuff. Even right. oranges kind of help you. So yeah,
0: yeah. So the the editor did the commentary with with Terry, and he was talking because he's worked with Terry before, and he goes for some reason Terry finds eating very, very funny, but not regular eating, like obnoxious eating, like loud yeah, eating. Yeah,
1: right. Because there's, like, like see, let me get close to the microphone. That yeah. kind of thing with an orange.
0: Or the salad scene with Billy Bob Thornton. He's
1: just got, like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like yeah, yeah. yeah. salads just pouring out of his mouth. Right, 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 <laughs> right. And it's so funny to see him eating a salad of all the things that he <laughs> was eat. like the healthiest. <laughs> that's what that yeah that kind of took me out. i like that's like in, in Postcards from the Edge when Shirley MacLaine is is uh, is given a what's what to Meryl Streep and she's cutting up fruit and putting it in the blender. Fruit, fruit blender, 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 and then as soon as Meryl Streep leaves the kitchen, she pulls out a bottle of vodka and pours the pours it into the blender and mixes that with right. all the fruit. And in the theatrical cut, he whips up. Fried Spam sandwiches,
0: or fried bologna sandwiches with salsa on it. He calls it a tostada, I think.
1: Yeah, he's like, he's like, and the and the kids like, this doesn't look like a tostada. And he puts the salsa on top, and he's like, there, it's just to- tostada. It's a tostada. Now. However, this is one of the added scenes, so I'm just not in favor of 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 it at all. No,
0: the added <laughs> the added scenes change because the opening voiceover ruins the scene for me.
1: I like just having this movie. And that's not the only movie they've done that with. They've done that with a lot of movies where Blade Runner. Over. That's right. They added the uh that's the absolutely voiceover right. for Blade Runner. That's right. And it's better without. My in my. So I'm I, trying I, to
0: yeah. I'm trying to think which which version of Blade Runner I have.
1: I don't think I have the one with the opening monologue. Well, I think I think in Blade Runner the narration goes throughout the whole movie. I don't know if that's I don't remember if that's the case with the theatrical version of Bad Santa. No, it's just the opening. It's just that opening scene. Well, that's even more superfluous then. What's the point? The act, you get everything you need
0: just from the physical acting. Mm -hmm. You get the looks of disdain. You get the look that this guy is depressed. He is miserable. Mm -hmm.
1: But there's something, there's something almost, I don't want to say glamorous about it. I remember the first time I saw it with narration and all. And I just remember that shot of him. And there's, um... I mean, what, what can I, like an existential angst almost right. with him. And, yeah. the, and, you know, and, and it's, it's, a beautiful moment and he looks, he looks very handsome, very charismatic. It's, uh, uh, this movie was shot on video. I, I, it disturbs me that I can't figure out if movies are shot on film or video we went through this with brick, even yeah, um, so I don't know what's wrong with me, but uh, for being shot on video, it looks very cinematic. I'm not sure if it was shot i I can't say for sure. I thought Zwigoff said it was city, yeah, yeah, Ebert in maybe you know seminar,
0: but I think uh, another thing that I found in this last watch when we watched the uh the director's cut the mix of classical music and then christmas muzak <laughs> <laughs> like it's it totally yeah. works with this movie yeah like you like da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. and yep. then you have like a boy band singing like he, oh
1: holy night i but think but
0: some of the musical cues are just great classical music cues and i yep. i think that any other director, you know that. That's the kind of thing that like Terry Zwigoff like does this weird kind of thing, and his other movies are very funny, but they're like a quirky
1: kind of funny. Sure,
0: they're not broad comedy, okay. kind of funny. Sure. Um,
1: well, and that's the difference between the added footage and the original movie of Bad Santa. I feel like the comedy in the uh, added footage is very broad. Whereas the comedy in the original version is um, something very offbeat. Yeah. Uh huh. You
0: wouldn't like the boxing scene where they're teaching the kid how to box. Yeah,
1: and they all get they all punch each other he, in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. That's like yeah, that's Hangover stuff. That's exact, and that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the Hangover movies, but I don't want to see that injected into uh, Bad Santa.
0: No, because I mean. It, for as crude a movie as this is there is there's heart
1: it is a tale of redemption and this is, it is this is what's interesting um i don't want to get too much into the roots of christmas or the origins of christmas but there are uh <laughs> oh boy here i go there are there are Satanic origins to Christmas. You can research this on your own and come up with your own conclusions. Christ wasn't probably really born uh, on Christmas Day. It's kind of it's kind of not what it is. Uh, there are there's definitely pagan roots to Christmas, and that can be that can be definitely researched. But also, Krampus, certain, yeah, Krampus you know, and Satan and Santa is is said to be an anagram for Satan. I mean. I mean, how obvious can you get with that? So, and Krampus is a big part of it as well. You can talk about Saint Nick, but you've got to talk about the other stuff as well. Sure. So with this, with, you know, w- with this type of understanding, or even without this type of understanding, Bad Santa, with all its, all its vulgarities, uh, turns out to be, in my opinion, a very Christian movie. And I say that in the most pure sense of Christianity. Where at the end, his final act, if he's going to die from all those gunshots, his final living slash dying act is one of completely pure generosity. He's giving that pink elephant, stuffed elephant, to Thurman placing it on the doorstep before he just blacks out completely from being shot multiple times. That is his final, that is his final, you know, uh, act. That's his final act as a, as a living person. He does, he does live after that. But, you know, if he were to die, that would be his final act. You know? And, he w- and yeah, go ahead. I was going to just say Terry Zigwath wanted to end the movie there. It kind of should, in a way. It kind of leave should. Leave it ambiguous. Sure, leave it ambiguous. But we do see in the following scene that he's writing that letter um, from from the hospital, and he has, you know, he's been deemed a hero now, um, and he has a family now. He has his own family. He's got her. He's got Lauren Graham. He's got uh, the kid Thurman, and he's got Granny Cloris Leechman, uh, you know, to come home to. Yeah. basically he's and got a family he's now. got a family now and there's there's nothing more christian than that so i mean this is you know in a, in a world where a lot of elements of society break up the family dynamic here is a story where uh, a family dynamic has been created and um that's how you leave the movie it's to me to me this is extremely beautiful extremely hopeful very, um, I mean, it, it did a number on me, like, you know, in terms of, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not really into Christmas this year, but it did make me more into Christmas this year just by watching it. Bad Santa. Yeah. Bad Santa. I mean, you know, right? It's not, know, we're not talking about, you know, It's a Wonderful Life or it's, you know, a, a Christmas, Christmas carol story. or a Christmas story. Right. Like, we're talking about Bad Santa. Actually made me more into Christmas. Than I was before I watched the movie. And another
0: reason I wanted to to, to choose that for this podcast. Is because this was like the first of... The, there's been several since. Adult orientated Christmas comedies. Like R-rated Christmas comedies. And they all... They they all basically came from the success of Bad Santa. Mm. There's a there's um, Office Christmas Party.
1: Right, I've seen that. Yeah, Vince Vaughn, and it's funny. I think of Vince Vaughn kind of as maybe a, a candidate for Bad Santa. No one's better than Billy Bob Thornton, but I Vince Vaughn's not an Office Christmas Office Party. He's not. Who is it? It's the Just, Owen Justin Bateman, and who else? Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> All right, strike what I said. Go on. So, but I've seen it. I mean, there's a bonfire in the office, uh, like during the Christmas party. Yeah, Does, yeah, isn't there? yeah, something. Yeah, like they start throwing furniture and Christmas trees into this bonfire. I've seen it. For some reason, I think I thought that Vince Vaughn was in it.
0: It right. might be another Christmas, but, but like I said, there it started this whole thing. There's a Seth Rogen Stoner Christmas. Okay. Comedy. Okay. So this this was um. I mean, the closest thing that I think we had before Bad Santa would be Scrooged.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. With Bill Murray, right? Yeah. Sure, I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's it's
0: another one of my favorite Christmas movies. Okay. It's very, very funny.
1: Well, then it means that it must have some heart to it. It does. Okay. It's
0: basically a Christmas Carol with Bill Murray.
1: Okay. Um... But this is I mean Bad Santa is a totally original story. Everything about it is completely original. Oh right, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean that's you got to love it, you know? Yeah. You really do. It was just like
0: I, I it was funny because they were talking about how these two screenwriters they wanted to write a script for the Cohen brothers. And so they went up to the, they they somehow got to meet the Cohen brothers and they were like, "We'd love to write a screenplay for you guys." And the Cohen brothers generally write their own screenplays. They're like, well, we, we've always had this idea about a bad Santa who goes through this, like, redemption kind of thing. And then these screenwriters went off with it. And then the Coen brothers, they added um, a bunch of scenes. Um, Terry Zygoth added a bunch of scenes, but, you know.
1: So those those two that we just watched being interviewed before we did this podcast, um, the guy and the girl, those are the original writers? no.
0: Those were the two producers.
1: Oh sorry. So who are the original writers again? Just let's let's cover that again. Glenn Ficarra and John Reck. So they were the original ones to come up with this idea. They abro- approached the Cohen brothers. The Cohen brothers did not have this idea originally. For a Bad Santa? Yeah. No, the Cohen brothers had the idea for a Bad Santa.
0: That was their I was the only idea that they had.
1: So, so do the one, two, threes with me. Okay. Who had it first, and then who? These got two screenwriters
0: wanted to write a script for the Coen Brothers. Okay. Just anything. They just wanted to build. They want. I and mean, the Coen
1: Brothers were like, "Well, we've had this idea. What do you think of such and such?" Yeah. And they took that ball and ran with it. Yep. They wrote some. Uh, I mean, you know, this has gone through several hands, but they wrote some really good stuff. Oh like, yeah. The the you know, the dialogue. I mean, there's. There's so much there's so much profanity. <laughs> I mean it's the profanity, the profanity pretty much alone. There, there there are other elements too, but it's pretty much the profanity that gives it an R rating. It's right. just cussing, cussing, well, cussing through the whole thing between Billy Bob Thornton, between between Willie and Marcus. There is a violent
0: shootout at the end too that would give it well, an R rating. I mean rating.
1: come on, you see violent shootouts in, you know, Wonder Woman, you know. And so it's just
0: like Do you see violent where an unarmed Santa Claus is gunned down in front of neighborhood children.
1: That's an <laughs> That's R rating. Right. Those kids come out on the <laughs> Those kids. and they're screaming on yeah. the balcony. <laughs> I don't know necessarily though if that would if that would even give an R rating just by itself. The profanity is is extreme. I mean, if you if you wrote down all of the you know all of the cuss words, made a list of them and how many times they were used, it's abundant. I can get you that list. Are you serious? Yeah, I can get you that list. It's so, and it's like, does, did it ever really, really bother me? Let me think. I don't know if it ever really, really bothered me. A lot of it comes from real uh, frustration, both from Willie and Marcus right. being like genuinely frustrated and then saying things that genuinely frustrated people who swear will say. You know, I remember my mother. Okay, so we've had the disclaimer at the beginning. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, it. and they say it in the movie too. And um, you probably shouldn't be digging in your ass. Well, that, that's a, <laughs> that's a funny one. That that's not even really a, you know, you're if 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 you want to say ass is as a cuss word, then yes. But I mean, I think um, it's. Let's let's say let. Oh, I don't even want to say it. Are... <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm uncomfortable saying some of these prof, prof- some of the profanity that's that's said in the movie. Uh, but they put they'll put they'll put the the word fucking in between uh, a real, you know when you're saying. Alright, when you're saying Jesus Christ, okay? So so they'll put that in the middle between between the two between the two words. Right. So but, yeah, so profanity, go ahead. The unrated version of the film
0: has the record for the most profanities in a Christmas film. A <laughs> hundred and seventy uses of fuck, seventy-four uses of shit, thirty-one uses of ass, ten uses of bitch, and one use of bastard.
1: Okay. And they don't. They don't. They don't even talk about JC saying, you know, JC, no. you know, which that's is said, through, which is said throughout the film as well. So that's the
0: unrated and in the theatrical, fuck, and its variations are used one hundred and fifty nine times. The word shit appears seventy three times, amid a total of approximately three hundred
1: profanities. Woo! So there you have it, folks. That's your bad Santa. And to me, that's what you know makes the movie bad, quote unquote. Right. I mean, we're we're dealing with a Santa who um, is a sex addict, particularly um, for yep. a- anal sex. Should we talk about the scene where he almost gets raped? Where where Willie almost gets raped? Yeah. When does he almost get raped? By that Indian guy in the parking oh lot? Oh, my God. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So, I mean, that's, I mean, in terms of... That's just a buzzsaw. That's, cra- that's a crazy character that they've come up with. It's It does push the borders of, like, uh, is this an appropriate portrayal of your typical gay man? Um. But he—he's not a typical gay man. But but he he does try to rape him out in the parking lot over the car. But he reiterates several times he is not a gay man. Well, but so he's also a a repressed gay (laughs) man who now wants to rape Santa, basically. But he's he's in a Santa suit, right? Oh yeah, he's in a Santa suit. But he's also off his meds. Oh, he does say he's he's honest, but I mean, you know, I mean, you can so you know, as a writer, you can throw in all these little things to say, okay, well, the you know, this will explain why he's acting the way he's acting. But it's still very, it's it's almost the one of it's one of the very few things in Bad Santa where I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, really. So, I only bring up
0: that scene because, and this was on the commentary. They were talking about it. They were like. Nobody really liked that scene, but they needed a reason for Thurman Merman to interact with Willie at that point. They needed to get the two
1: of them together. And they came up with that? Well... (laughs) Because does... Does Thurman come along and save the day? He does come along he and does. save the day, doesn't he? Yeah, because okay. he goes, little boy! <laughs> oh, right. That's right, because it's the three of them, like, tousling, yeah. you know, ruffling, rough, roughhousing together. Okay, yeah, and it is, it's, I want to say it's, it's oddly funny. I don't know how much, amu- how amused I was by that, to be perfectly honest. No, I
0: mean, it's certainly, <laughs> it's just, it's so bizarre mm-hmm. that, like, I, I just, <laughs> but they were like, we have no
1: other way. We need to get, there are other ways. Use your, I don't know. Okay. It is what it is. Let's it just is accept it, is. it oh. as what it is. Um, another thing that I, I found was very cliche, but whatever. You're not going to be able to get away from this in movies is the whole crawling through the vents. I guess it does put a new spin on things that you've got like, uh, a little person, a little person crawling through the vents, uh, you know. And it is funny. It is funny when he's testing it out. He's he's seeing, you know, he's mapping out the the air vent uh, accessibility in the mall. Yeah. And the people working in the offices can hear him above, and they all <laughs> and they, they, they all just choose carry, to ignore yeah, him. Yeah, right. Like, they just uh, carry on yeah. with their. <laughs> it's like, what
0: the. I feel bad for him because in the first we we see the first heist and he's he gets to hide as a snowman. Oh right! But in the second heist, he drops from the ceiling and just hits the table and bounces off. Yeah, (laughs) ouch! It's some good physical comedy. There is, especially from him. Uh huh. Um. Uh, there were a couple scenes added because they liked Bernie Mac so much. Sure. Uh, one of the scenes they added, because it really doesn't add much to the plot, if anything, is the scene where he uh, busts that kid for shoplifting. That was And steals a... his... MP3 player. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this scene of um, him getting his nail... <laughs> he's getting his nail... He's getting a... Uh...
1: Pedicure. He's getting a pedicure. Yeah. He's probably getting. A he's, man- yelling, he's probably getting he's, a Manny Petty. And yeah, he is. He is. And he's yelling at the poor lady who's doing it. And what is it? W- he wants more gloss. <laughs> he says, "Whatever she was putting on it, that wasn't glossy enough." <laughs> and then he goes, "Get in
0: there, woman. Don't be scared." And then, and then she hurts him. And he goes, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> Yeah, uh, pro, I miss Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. Miss John Ritter too. This mm-hmm. was um, mm-hmm. this was John Ritter's last live action theatrical
1: well release. What did he do? Animation after Bad Santa or something? I don't know. Oh, okay. No, I'm just going by what I read. <laughs> okay, gotcha.
0: He finished the ADR for this movie. Um, what is it? ADR? The, where they go back? You um, the loop lines. Oh, like sure. if They didn't. They sure. didn't pick it up. Yep. They have uh, have you do the um yeah dub over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he only finished it a week before he passed away. Oh wow. Wow.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Um
0: Oh. Let's talk about Granny,
1: Cloris Leechman. God love her. I just love Cloris Leachman. I love that she appears in this movie. She doesn't seem to be credited. Maybe she's in the final she credits. Wa- you certainly don't see her in the she opening credits. She wanted to go uncredited. She yeah. is
0: in the final credits because they show all the characters with mm-hmm. their names.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hers is the very last one, and it's only like a split second.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see why she would do that, and it is, it, it is a sight gag to have her you know, as Granny. Yeah. Um and it's and it so she wanted to go uncredited but uh she was convinced
0: by uh, uh Zwigoff he's like it's really important like that we get your
1: name recognition out there like I guess for the movie or maybe just for him maybe he's a big Cloris Leachman fan. Yeah, but I mean it, it would have been even better if she just wasn't credited at all, you know? So
0: this is this what? is I I told you there was something I wanted to oh, tell yes. you and I wanted to get your genuine reaction on the podcast. Yes. This is her idea, mind you. Oh boy. She wanted to do every single one of her scenes naked. Let me just Andrew has gotten up from his chair. I need to
1: take I need to walk to the other side of the room. He needs
0: to walk away. That is a genuine genuine reaction. I'm so glad that I waited till now to tell you.
1: And that shirt that Willie buys Thurman at the very end when he's writing his letter from the hospital.
0: Shit happens when you party naked. (laughs) She wanted to do and I'm
1: literally on the floor, people. She wanted
0: to do all her scenes naked.
1: And she's crazy. Like she's that's not the only time she said stuff like that. I love it though. Um
0: she was convinced to do a clothes. Um the easiest way, the the easiest way to convince her that she had to do everything clothed was, uh, we have this eight year old, your grandson oh, will right. be interacting with. Oh you. right, of course. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is also, <laughs> so she's introduced with one of my favorite lines in this movie. Because he's at, because uh, so Willie's trying All to. All she says is, "Let me make you some sandwiches." No, the line that said before that she says that. Okay, go on, Willie is grilling uh, Thurman here because he wants to know, like, who's at the house. He goes, uh, what about your dad? He, he's like, my dad's traveling in the mountains. His dad's in jail. He goes, what about your mom? My mom lives up in heaven with, like, the talking walnut. Right. And then he, he goes, well, who's here? He goes, Granny. And then he asks him,
1: is she spry? And he walks in. Spri- with, what is that, me? And now I'm, like, wondering what exactly. Go spri- ahead. Uh, so, no, I know. I, oh. know what the, I know what the conventional definition okay. is. Go ahead. You know, she, is she all there? Oh, okay. Uh, you know. Okay,
0: well, I mean, I'm, okay. That's what the implication was, like, can I rob this house or is she going to, like, you know, okay. grandma might be sharp. Yeah, gotcha. And he just walks in. She's, like, asleep on the couch. Yep her her reclining chair reclining chair yeah. watching like infomercials and he just walks in and goes <laughs> granny
1: are you spry I don't know why but that just makes me laugh it, it, coming from him I can't help but think it might have sexual connotations I will leave it at that <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's the case but it could be who knows but so he says are you spry and what does she say
0: Oh, you're home. Let me make you some sandwiches.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 right.
0: There was also a scene that was unfilmed where she tries to kiss Billy Bob Thornton.
1: I'm not surprised to hear that. She's pulled antics like that before. And she tried to, like, stick her finger up one of his nostrils. She's like that. Dude, she's like that. There are other stories like this of her. Tell us a Cloris Leachman story, I don't have any off the top of my head. There are... I know that she's... Let's see. Okay, well, I remember when when they had a Mary Tyler Moore reunion. Oh, boy. You can YouTube this. I think it might have been Oprah, actually, where they had a Mary Tyler Moore reunion, and Cloris Leachman comes in, and she's all all over the place. I think she sat on Ed Asner's lap and got very, very flirtatious. She might have done that with the other guys as well. But this is kind of... You know what she does, she yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always kind of like really coming on to you know, uh, to guys you know, on set and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's all that's all I can think of off the top of my head. And she'll say very inappropriate things, it's just kind of her mo, okay? Yeah, all right, yeah, because she doesn't say much in this movie, no, she doesn't,
0: (laughs) she doesn't. She just wants to make people sandwiches. Uh-huh. And pass out on the couch and almost die. Uh-huh. So, the Coens when they um they rewrote the script, which Soprano's actor do you think they had in mind to play Willie? Oh,
1: uh, see, I didn't watch The Sopranos, so I don't really know. James Gandolfini. Okay. Okay. I mean it would have been different it definitely. would have been different, yeah
0: now two actors that are one time or another actually attached but dropped out for scheduling conflicts to play the part of Willie included Bill Murray
1: okay and Jack Nicholson. oh no, I mean those are <laughs> they're both very obvious choices you know to go to go with someone else is a good idea, but I just can't. Yeah,
0: I I I don't I can't see anybody but Billy Bob Thornton doing this.
1: For some reason, I keep thinking Vince Vaughn, and I don't know why. Billy Bob is the perfect one. He was perfect. I liked the fact that he's skinny too. I liked the fact that he's a skinny Santa Claus. Very skinny. skinny. Uh, yeah. He's almost emaciated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that kind of really um, lent a whole another dimension to to it to me. It just works. Mm -hmm. Like the
0: whole thing, like his, I mean, the chemistry with everybody. Is excellent. So, again, which leads me to believe that he was not intoxicated the entire time.
1: No, and you know what? We just watched some back uh, behind the scenes footage. He doesn't look intoxicated in a lot of those behind the scene footage uh, sequences that we saw. No. Not at all. He seems very with it.
0: And he was always very, um, careful around, um, the young actor about, like, having to say certain things, like, he'd always apologize afterwards to not only the the, the actor, but, you know, he's eight years old, so his mom had to be on set, too. Mm hmm So, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't strike me as, like, you Mm -hmm. know, that's not behavior of
1: someone that's, uh... Intoxicated. I did that. I did that when I played Jim Casey in *Grapes of Wrath*. There were children. Uh, there were children in the cast, and I remember apologizing. I think I apologized to them specifically about my swearing in the dressing rooms or backstage. They didn't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got it. But differently though, he swears like directly at this kid. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in the movie, like. The fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Are you fucking with me? Mm-hmm.
1: But the, the kid... way he flies off the handle is so in, so indicative of his characterization. Character. You really learn a lot from him. Just the way he'll just kind of like snap. He'll snap at anything, really. Well, he's the first time we see him snap is just at the alarm clock. Oh, that has always <laughs> been one of the most cathartic scenes in movie Isn't history for me. Yes, he just takes takes the. The beginning of the movie. takes the alarm clock goes off. It's some. It's a Christmas song. It is. Yep. Takes it. Smashes it against the wall. And that's not enough. He's got to take his beer bottles from the night before and smash those against the wall too. I, I can't tell you how much this means to me to see in a movie. Like it really does something to me. I well, really, I really okay, appreciate too. it. They do do it in Groundhog Day, but not the way Billy Bob does it no. in Bad Santa. He is just, and he's, you see right away that he's got so much anger. Yeah. So much anger. I mean, he's really, really pissed off. I really like, pissed off, smashing things against the wall. Go on, sorry.
0: I like that freak out, but I like his post Checkers freak out even better. <laughs> it just comes because it's like slow boiling because the scene goes on and like Thurman keeps making a move, but he keeps his finger on the piece and moving it back.
1: He takes his finger off before he changes point. mind yeah. again, which is not part of the rules, but he Billy you know, but Willie lets him get away with it. And then and then Yeah, go ahead. And then he just like Double yeah, double jumps him. Double jumps all over the
0: place and says "King me," and he just freaks out. He definitely knocks the board over, and the kid has no reaction.
1: <laughs> that's that that blank look again, which is so. He ridiculous. just looks up at him and goes,
0: "Want to play again?"
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you know, no matter how much Willie yells at him, he sees the person behind the anger. That's that's what right. I feel like with the with those blank looks. He's he's, got- he's waiting for the tantrum. We do see the father for a minute. But he's in jail, but he's in jail. But I mean but I'm thinking to myself is Thurman used to being yelled at by his father, and that's how the, thats why he reacts the way he reacts. But the father that we see in jail doesn't seem like someone who's going to yell at his son. No, the way and he's that Billy in there. Bob is yelling at. at he's Thurman. in
0: there for white collar
1: crimes. Right. So, exactly. So he doesn't seem like one of those dads that no that likes that Willie's probably had. You no, know? but he also but still. But still, like Thurman is very the way he handles that anger. Willie's anger is very just blank slate until the tantrum is over and then let's pick up again but to be involved
0: in high like high stakes white collar crime most likely the guy's a workaholic he's probably not even there though that much he probably doesn't spend that he strikes me as a very lonely individual so does willie and i think that's why they connect these are two and um i know that she goes unnamed in the movie but lauren graham's character sue they all are very, very lonely.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, they are. I mean, yep.
0: And Marcus has his mail order wife. Yep. So he's happy. Mm-hmm.
1: Even, we, even Granny is probably pretty lonely.
0: Yeah, but I think Granny's not all there mentally. She's not, I, I, she's think, not. I think. I so think. I think. So it doesn't maybe. It doesn't I think matter we've too much. late not. stage dementia. Maybe with, with Granny. Yeah. Um. That. She's off in her own world anyway. Yeah. So.
1: But you're right. We're dealing with the three main characters are people who, you know, who are lonely and are looking for, you know. Connections. Yeah. For connections. Especially, especially Sue and and Thurman. And they find that with Willie. Yeah. And Willie needs it. He's not, he's not seeking it out. He's pretty much given up. He has given up. He wants to die. That's how lonely he is. It's sad. It's sad. It's you know, you you could rename it sad Santa. you it, it, know?
0: You really could
1: be Sad Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's a beauty. I mean it's a be- I mean I'm about to cry talking about bad Santa, but I mean this is the type of movie that it really, really is when everything that, is said and done. That final letter,
0: um, another g- good piece of editing. Um it's very nice. I I mean it's typical Willie, but originally It was much more crass. He's like.
1: What was? The final letter. You only. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. It was much more crass. Oh, from the hospital. From the hospital. Okay. It was much more crass. It had stuff like, you know, I didn't believe in. Chris. Like, I didn't really have much of a meaning for Christmas. I didn't really know what Christmas was all about. But I know just having a place to shit and a woman to fuck is is well I is mean, all I need for Christmas. And I'm kind of glad they kind of took some of the crassness.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it it's still it, it fits in with with the theme. You it know? does. I mean, it's it's a crass. It's all it's it's as it's as if it, if he's going to say anything meaningful or or emotional. Um it has to have this crassness to it. Yeah, I mean that's just the way he expresses himself. Which which w- I'm glad that they kind they uh, really
0: glad that the scenes that they took out it shows him he's first of all he makes his like redemption arc too soon. Because there's that whole scene with the box teaching the kids self-defense and boxing. Yeah. That's too soon.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. The scene and script. gratuitous! It just all feels so gratuitous. It's just, he's he's not that bad of a guy, folks. He's just not that bad of a guy, okay? It's, that's what it feels like. Yeah, and and, I, and you, you see him cleaned up in, like cute shirts in these added scenes. Yeah, it's not in his Santa suit. No, and it's, he's not even looking like you know beat, downtrodden, beaten up, and drunk. You know, no. you know it's yeah. It's, it's like why?
0: test screenings yeah <laughs> Weinstein Brothers Todd Phillips what do you want yeah um and so I'm just really glad and unfortunately I, I bet you there's a lot of people out there that when this first came out they'll see they'll if w- when this was released on uh, DVD and Blu-ray initially You go to the store you got the director's cut or you got batter Santa
1: mmm Unrated, and that's what you think. That's what people are probably going to go for. I, th- I of course. I mean, I was interested when that when it came out. I was like, oh, Badder Santa. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to see that. I, 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 I never th- did. And
0: I, I had to say, I think the first time that I owned Bad Santa, it was the Badder Santa. Okay, so do you... okay. I don't own it now. Okay, I well actually, I kind of do. The uh, the Blu Ray's got both copies. Okay, um, but. Yeah, I just. I was, was gonna
1: ask you if you remember anything from Batter Santa that was added in, but I'm not really interested. No. Yeah, it's. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this director's cut is it. I it mean, is. It's the this is this is where you need to see the director's vision and really nothing else.
0: No, the hu- you're not missing the funniest jokes are not taken out. No. The jokes that are taken out are out of place
1: mm-hmm. or. Ju- don't fit the tone. Mm-hmm. It's just... And if you see... The, you know, we won't keep beating this into the ground, but if you see the director's cut and then you see the added footage in the theatrical release, you really can tell the difference. You're oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, this is, this is not the same. No even though it looks the same. There's a scene where he's, he cooked, yeah, we, we already mentioned it, but there's a scene where he's cooking dinner for the kid and granny. Yeah. Like, that's, what? No. That's not bad Santa. No, no, no. This bad Santa is like, I mean, and you know, I've been there. Like, I, I think we all have at some point in our life where it's just like, I don't care anymore. I right. just want, you know, I do want just a place to shit and someone to fuck and that's all. <laughs> fuck y'all. Right. Basically, that's him. Yeah. That's him. And so it makes all the more profound that last act of delivering the pink elephant, and that's exactly <laughs> and that's
0: exactly what, uh, yeah, Zvigoff wanted. Yeah, yeah, I and get it, it works. Yes. Yeah. yes. And th- he didn't like the 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 monologue. The opening no. voiceover no. is just
1: bad. It's it's, it's BS. I it's mean BS. It, he no...
0: wanted the first like. There's no reason for it. They were trying to it's write... It's a
1: distraction hearing all that.
0: Well, they were writing... There's cheap jokes throughout it, trying to get a laugh. Yeah. He wanted the first
1: laugh of the movie to be him puking in the alleyway. Yeah, that is the first laugh, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> and it may... That's the screensaver on the DVD, I noticed, when we were just watching it. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> What a scene to choose. But it's, it's, it's beautiful, though. He's out in the alleyway. It's night and it's snowing. It's a peaceful, beautiful snow. And, yeah. there, and there he is, like, hunched over, hunched over, and then there it comes. And you see it. You see his yeah. puke coming out of his mouth. <laughs> and there you have it. This is what we're... Do- this is it. Yeah. This is what we're... The beginning of the ride. Yeah. And
0: you, you know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. But then with the theatrical cut... You get this whole Miami, like, five-minute scene of him robbing a house
1: that has nothing to do with nothing. And... No. I mean, in the director's cut, I think the Miami scene is just him looking all, at, at all At the those... volleyball girls. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need. And that's, that is all you need. That is all you need. I... Do kind of like the joke of
0: him? It, you think that he's actually working at the bar? That yeah. He actually or it's
1: his bar yeah. that he bought with the money from the last heist? He said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You see him cutting up lemons. And then... The... and then the bartender, the real bartender, comes in and not only literally kicks him out. Like, yeah. it turns into a fight. But,
0: like a lot of Todd Phillips' humor, it just goes on too long. Yeah. Like, I think that that scene would have worked right if it was just like, how many times do I have to tell you get out from the yeah beyond my barn punch him punch him in the stomach cut that's the punchline literally that would have worked fine but no they have to like tussle over the bar yeah
1: can come back and, and then and run throw away back and throw a bottle yeah yeah, it's just yeah. Like, act like kids yeah like that's yep.
0: that's why I think like the, the this director just he knows humor like and it shows in his other movies this is the most crass of the movies that he but he knows. He knows funny, and that's why like the director's cut is just like boom, boom, boom. There's no, you know, you don't have to trim any of the fat. It
1: moves so quickly. 88 minutes. Yeah, You're... I mean Hallelujah and 88. <laughs> I remember what's? Oh, I can't even remember the name of the movie. But there was one movie where that came out. It was a. Uh... Uh, a horror movie that came out or an action movie that came out that the Village Voice reviewed and it was under 90 minutes. And it was like, really? Under 90 minutes? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I got so excited. (laughs) Yeah, don't get me wrong. uh, If the movie justifies its length, that's fine. But, I mean, come on. If a movie needs to... If say all it says in under 90 minutes there's no reason for padding no there's, there's no not. reason to push it out a little bit longer no yeah and it's I mean it, things move so fast in this but director's this is, cut th- this is I know the Weinstein's
0: sure okay fine you know what we'll do your director's cut but then we're doing a badder santa cut and...
1: yeah, yeah yeah but even theatrical release uh, yeah oh right gotcha yeah so we'll, we'll release your director's cut but we're also gonna do this we're gotcha. gonna do the badder santa cut mm-hmm. Ten minutes longer. Yeah. Ten minutes longer. Ten minutes is a long time in movie watching, world. especially especially Land. in comedies that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when the jokes aren't landing. Mm-hmm.
0: That's mm-hmm. that's the cardinal sin of a of a comedy. Mm-hmm. No, it you gotta keep things on
1: and on and on.
0: You gotta keep things. Going, going, going. Mm-hmm. One joke one joke setting up after the other joke. Mm-hmm. This movie is quotable. It's got sight gags. It's it's like that and that's why I can see why people really like love this movie. Yes. Like, yes. like I said, it it spawned a whole bunch of adult R rated Christmas movies, but I mean, this is the one that I'll always come back to. Yeah. Um, so that's a, I'm going back to justifying whites on the cult film companion because it, it 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 has a cult following.
1: And I do think over time, over more and more and more time, it will remain to it will it will continue to have this following. Right. So I think I do think that over time it'll become more and more of a cult movie.
0: Because I think it's the kind of thing that you know. If and when I have kids, I eventually will show them, like when it's when they're age appropriate, I'll show them Bad Santa, like <laughs> around Christmas time. Wait till you're they're like eighteen. <laughs> well, that's another funny story. He, uh, Billy Bob was talking about how he
1: had like like
0: like young teenagers or like preteens coming up talking to him about this movie.
1: Oh yeah, and he was just like, "Why have you seen this?" Yeah, yeah. He's
0: like, "Why did your parents let you see yeah. this?" Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. so this is the first appearance for Billy Bob Thornton, but I I could see him. I think there's a the first what appearance on our show for this.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Terry's uh, Zwigoff. His other movies are definitely cult movies. Uh, he's very much a cult director. Um, t- two documentaries, only one of which I have seen, um, and his other two movies are great. Um, so...
1: Ghost World is really good, huh? Ghost World is really, really good. Okay. Um, yeah,
0: I don't think I've seen any of his other got, stuff. Got uh, a great performance from Steve Buscemi in it. Oh, and very good. That's right. That's right. You a told me. very young Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And the other girl, I want to say, is the girl that ended, ended up in American Beauty. The bl- oh, sure. Not
1: the blonde... Not the blonde. The dark-haired girl. The the dark-haired. Yeah, yeah. almost goth-looking. Yeah, I
0: I think that's her. And Art School Confidential has, um, drawing a blank. I do know John Malkovich is in it because we did. We did hear a very interesting
1: John Malkovich story. You really want to talk about that? No, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that That's sounded a like a, a can of worms. A,
0: yeah, that sounded like a story that maybe shouldn't have been told in a public forum. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I get the feeling that
0: Terrys Zwigoff doesn't really care. Um, but yeah, so Roger Ebert loves this movie. Roger Ebert loves this movie. <laughs> so um, yeah, <laughs> we've gone from an art uh, Roger Ebert uh, penned script. To Brazil, which we're not sure how he felt about it. Siskel didn't like it. I don't think Eber liked it either. Yeah. And then Bad Santa, which he uh Which he loved. Loved and to the to point where he hosted a screening
1: of it. Yeah. So I think it was a screening of the director's cut. It
0: was, yeah. yeah. Um and uh yeah, Terry Terry Ziga started starts off the commentary saying that he, he didn't think that they'd ever do the um, director's
1: cut of it. I'm glad I'm really glad I'm
0: really glad to I mean
1: if I were to see this again and I would see this again I, de- I definitely would see this again um, I would watch that version this version oh yeah. yeah this, there's, this there's is no, the only one
0: there's no reason to watch the other two no it's
1: there it's I don't know if it's you, a perfect little movie, and it there there yeah. are not many movies, no matter how much you like them or how brilliant they are. There aren't many movies that I can say are perfect little movies. This one is. This one is. It's 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 paced
0: beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's shot beautifully. Mm-hmm. The music is great. It has an original score. Plus, you've got classical cues. You've got. Mm-hmm. You get your crisp. It, they make it the you know the christmas music is the joke in the movie it but, is uh, but you know if anyone that's worked in retail which i have
1: <laughs> well oh oh i'm glad you brought that up because this does remind me i do need to mention this does remind me of i think it's called the santaland diaries by david sedaris which is a hilarious hilarious read and it's about david sedaris's uh time in employment, I think at Macy's, as an elf during Christmas time, okay? Um, And it's, I think at the very end, I think the very end of the story, I shouldn't spoil it for those who haven't read it, but it doesn't matter. It's still very funny, uh, even if you know this. At the very end, um, a customer says that she's going to report him to the manager, and he says, he says, when you... (laughs) (laughs) He says, when you do, tell the manager... Don't tell the manager that I called you a C-U-N-T. Tell the manager that I called you a fucking C-U-N-T. Bam! That's the last line of the story. So there you have it. This is what it's like. This is what it's like doing retail during Christmas time at a Christmas-themed store. It gets Uh, that ugly.
0: Well, I didn't even work in a Christmas-themed store, but I worked in a uh, major chain... And the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Christmas music.
1: Oh, oh, they just cram that right down your throat, don't they? Mm -hmm.
0: And you thought you were sick of uh, the two dozen songs that you hear on repeat. At least some of them are like, at least some of them are decent. But like, by the end of the first week... I just did not want to hear another Christmas song for the just
1: like, br- and this is like a month before Christmas. Yeah, it, it, and you're it, already burnt out on all those songs. It sucks the life out of you. Oof, I can imagine, dude. So, but
0: that reminds me of a, a line. Your story reminds me of a line in the movie when he's eating the salad, salad's pouring out of his mouth, and uh, he yells. A uh, 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 lady brings up her child to say hi to Santa Claus. And he goes, I'm on my fucking lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to report you to the manager. And he just goes, go right ahead. If you think you can make my life even worse, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so our, our podcast is officially longer
1: than... Than the theatrical version of this movie so and that's what i i call it self-indulgence that's when we know we've become self-indulgent or actually we, 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 we both decided that yeah but you know what our deal is we like to talk about movies and if you like to listen then we've got an arrangement
0: so just a couple more things to uh to mention here um this movie was shot entirely in california Really? I, I think I mentioned it. Yeah, it started, it was shot in July and September, and they said that the, uh, um, they shot at the Del Amo Fashion Center in Torrance, California, which is the largest.
1: Torrance, I know Torrance. It's the largest mall. It is. In the, um, I've been the, there. The, the, it's it, is. Huge. it is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, I know exactly what you're they talking about. They said there's about. like
0: 10,000 parking spots, <laughs> like 500 stores, three yeah. food courts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, Torrance is... It's, it should be a little city of its own, actually. It is a little city of its own. So, um, And it's supposed to be Phoenix, right? Isn't that supposed to be where we're at for the majority of the movie? It's in Arizona. Uh-huh. I, think, I think it's Phoenix. So, yeah, it's
0: supposed to be the Seguero Square Mall uh, is where the movie takes place. But it was shot throughout California. Um, they shot... The, the Thurman Merman house was found in the, the West Hollywood
1: Hills um, Hmm. It's a nice house. So that, so the interior. When you, at the very end, when he's writing the letter, and you see them go out to the pool or the jacuzzi in the outside, and you see Arizona, you see the neighborhood, you see the hills. Actually, I think that's a p- backdrop. I think Could that, be. Yeah, because I was looking at it, I was like, "Is that real? Is that real?" But now that you told me that it was all filmed in California, yeah. I'm almost positive now that that was a backdrop. Yeah, and they okay. went. Um, I forget
0: which beach. California's full of beaches. For Mm -hmm. the um, the scenes that were supposed to take place in Florida. Okay. Um, Would you like to to take a guess to what this was? The Czech Republic title for this
1: movie is. I have no idea. All right. Santa is a pervert. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Should we end with that? (laughs) Um, it would have been a nice place to end, but I do
0: have. Uh, <laughs> we probably should. We, we'll we'll go back and end on that. But first, I want to mention. You brought up. We I surely should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman
1: was in another Christmas movie. Uh, let me think. Do I know she's done a hundred and thousand flicks so she could easily be in another christmas movie what is it prancer uh, what it's by one of the reindeer really yeah okay can you slap a year on that 88 89 well that okay and the I only reason I, mean, that... I i i should know
0: okay. well i i do have a reason for bringing Bring
1: it. It. this just is not just this it. is okay. not
0: just me going oh okay. yeah by the way cloris leachman was in prancer okay take a guess from all, all our previous episodes that it was dir- the director of Prancer is, is the director that we covered already. Long pause. <laughs> He's thinking,
1: ladies and gentlemen. 88, 89. Prancer. I don't know, dude. I have no idea. Something you recommended. Well, that would be one of two it can't possibly be russ meyer can't possibly be russ meyer no well the other one is let's scare jessica to death and i forgot who that director is john d hancock is that that's the director and he did a movie called prancer with cloris leachman (laughs) okay (laughs) i hope hope he made money i hope it made money i think it did quite well because i actually why don't i know about it if it did quite well okay I i mean that was kind of like i was in my prime Weren't you like 19? Yeah, but... You're going to well, go see Prancer? Maybe maybe I, was, <laughs> maybe I was backpacking through Europe at that point. I would hope
0: so, because I saw Prancer and I was 8. You saw... Uh, did you see it in the theaters? Yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater. Okay. I mean, all I
1: remember... All I really remember was like Dick Tracy and that, that car racing movie with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. Uh, Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. That was big. That was big all over Europe um okay all right final thoughts
0: watch the uh, theater
1: not the theatrical version (laughs) rewind rewind all right watch the director's cut of bad santa from now on if you've seen it before even if you haven't seen it before don't watch anything else for real don't waste your time trim trim the hollywood off it
0: yeah, and really to see
1: the real deal. Yeah,
0: you get mm-hmm. you get like the real bad Santa experience. Mm-hmm. You're not missing out on any of the jokes. If you're that kind of person that's missing out on large amounts of profanity, might I recommend Scarface will fill your profanity quota mm-hmm. after watching the mm-hmm directors could of bad santa maybe that'll work you need your your profanity quota filled uh but i mean yeah there's really there's no we we did the time to to watch all the the scenes that were filmed and left out were terrible yeah the scenes that were left put in without the director uh even having a part in it are out of place and not funny yeah so directors cut all the way sometimes i uh sometimes i i um i don't think we have we don't really other than brazil we haven't really talked about a movie on here that's got multiple cuts to talk
1: about no i don't think so i don't think so maybe
0: but we are compiling a list of stuff that we forgot, so I'll add it to the list if we did. If we, if there's a, a cut of the movie that, um, yeah, uh, other than Brazil, because we you know, we got a whole thing to talk about, but Brazil. Yeah. But
1: if, if you're really into our podcast, we will eventually have uh, an episode, a bonus episode that'll be that'll cover the mistakes and unmentions that we the, that yeah you the know, little forgotten previous.
0: nuggets that yeah. we uh, forgot to bring you. But thank you again. Happy holidays, what, however you choose to celebrate your holiday, we support it, unless it's sacrificing, like, children. That's <laughs> that's not good. But if it involves, like, gingerbread cookies and um, lighting, uh, what do they light? Uh, uh, a menorah? A menorah. Light the menorah. Happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas from the Cult Film Companion podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Cult Film Companion Facebook group. We are at the Cult Film Comp on Twitter. You can email us at thecultfilmcompanion at gmail.com. Someone will get back to you eventually and um but yeah twitter and facebook is the best way to get a hold of us recommend us movies recommend our show to people you think will dig our show contribute to the facebook group but just please keep it cult film related and if you could justify it as a cult film then you're more more power to you because i somehow got away with covering bad santa on this show yeah. or as it's known in the czech republic santa is a pervert Good night. Yeah. (laughs) Peace out.